This evening's scripture is taken, is taken from Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Romans 15, 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Good evening and welcome again to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. It's been a beautiful day. We had a good service this morning and we're grateful for the opportunity that we have to assemble again to worship God in spirit and in truth. As I said this morning, I apologize for my voice and for my nasal problems that I'm having, sinus problems, uh, cold, whatever. But uh, I can promise you uh, I want it to get over with just as bad as you might. And hopefully and prayerfully, I will feel better in a few days. But I am grateful for the privilege and the opportunity that we have to be together tonight. I have made some changes in my lesson plan for tonight. I had originally intended to talk about what the Bible has to say concerning instrumental music in worship. But I thought that in light of the problems that I'm having with my voice, it might be better to just take a different route. And so in a couple of weeks, hopefully, we can look at that study. And so uh, it may be that our lesson tonight will be somewhat abbreviated, uh, somewhat reluctant to make that claim because typically when I say that, then I go overtime. But uh, I'll, uh, you know, at least plans right now are to keep it somewhat abbreviated because of my voice. But I want us to think tonight about what Paul says in Romans chapter 15 at verse 4, the passage that Matt read just a moment ago. Paul, in writing to the saints in Rome, said, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. I think those of us who belong to the body of Christ need to appreciate the value of studying the Old Testament. It is my fear that many times we overlook some of the great, rich lessons that are found in the Old Testament. And there are numerous lessons for us to glean. And Paul, I think, makes that abundantly clear in Romans 15 at verse 4. And one of the things that we can derive from studying the sacred scriptures, particularly the Old Testament, is that it can give us a sense of patience and comfort in times of trial and tribulation. And so tonight I want to just call your attention to some of the lessons that I think are found in the Old Testament, and by no means will this list be exhaustive, but rather we'll just touch on several things that come to mind. The first has to do with the great power of God. In Genesis chapter 1 at verse 1, we are introduced to the almighty creator and sustainer of heaven and earth. In Genesis chapter 1 at verse 1, Moses said, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There are many people in our world today, they question how our world came into existence. Some have bought into this theory of evolution. Others have said that we are the product of chance. 
And there are those that make the claim that the world, as you and I know it, is a result of some type of cataclysmic explosion. And yet the Bible tells us God is the one who created the heavens and the earth. We talk about the omnipotence of God, his power. He is all-powerful. And that's reflected in the fact that he is the one who has created this universe. In Psalm 33, the psalmist in the long ago said, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Now you want to talk about power, divine power. God is the one that has created this universe. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew writer tells us in Hebrews chapter 1 at verse 3, that God upholds all things by the word of his power. We talk about the solar system in which we live, and we talk about the human body and the complexities of mankind and all of the things that go along with that. Well, are we just the product of chance? Is the universe in which we live merely the product of some explosion? Well, of course not. The Bible gives us a definitive answer for our origin, for our creator. The same God that created the universe created mankind. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God made man in his own image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. In chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says that God formed man from the dust of the earth. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. And so you and I, when we look back to the Old Testament, we are reminded of the fact that we have been framed by an almighty God. As the psalmist said in Psalm 139, we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. But then there is another lesson that I think that we can derive from looking at the Old Testament. And this is somewhat of a broad point, but it has to do with some basic principles. For example, in the realm of faith, law, works, or obedience, we find that these principles are reflected over and over again in the Old Testament. Let me just give you one example. In Genesis chapter 6, we read of Noah. And the Bible says in the days of Noah that mankind had unfortunately veered from his maker. Moses said that every imagination of the thought of man's heart was only evil continually. And so God said, I will destroy man whom I've created. God made a decree that he was going to destroy the world. But in verse 8, the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a perfect or blameless man, and Noah walked with God. And so here we have the introduction of this term grace. God doing for us what we as human beings are unable to do for ourselves. Well, in order, to, in order to save himself, God instructed Noah in verse 14. He said, make an ark of gopher wood. He set forth the dimensions of the ark. And the ark would be a very large vessel, some 450 feet in length, 75 feet across, 45 feet in height. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 at verse 22, Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. So did he. 
Now, the Hebrew writer provides us with a commentary on the activities of Noah. In Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, prepared an ark for the saving of his house, by which he became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And so you have grace. God shedding his grace on Noah. And then you have law or divine instructions. Verse 14, make an ark of gopher wood. You have obedience or works, that being Noah complying with the will of God. Well, what about us today? Those of us who live under the new covenant, we understand that Jesus Christ is the author of eternal salvation unto all who obey him. Hebrews 5 at verse 9. I can see now I'm going to have to hurry. All right, pressing on. I'd like to, I'd like to develop this point a little bit longer, but I better move on. Another point that we see in the Old Testament, the providence of God. You and I, we think about the great providence of Almighty God. Water? I'll take some. <clears throat> okay. We think about the providence of God and, well... I apologize. It's not often you get to see a preacher drink. Thank you very much. We think about the providence of God, and I guess this is probably illustrated best in the lives of two people in the Old Testament. The first would be Joseph. Joseph, as you recall, was sold into slavery by his brothers. And Joseph fell on hard times, and he was separated from the father who loved him greatly, from his family members and friends for about 22 years before he was ultimately reunited with his family members. And in Genesis chapter 45, Joseph, as he discloses himself to his brothers, makes this observation. He said, God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in all the earth. And then he goes on to say, it was not you who sent me to this place, but God. Ultimately, Joseph rose to second in command in the land of Egypt under Pharaoh. And it was under Joseph that God's people, some 70 family members, were able to be reunited, settle in the land of Goshen, and thus become a mighty nation of people. And as you think about the life of Joseph, it was through the tribe of Judah, through his family, that is through his father's, one of his father's children, that the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, would emerge. And so over in chapter 50, Joseph, after his father died, is talking to his brothers, and his brothers are fearful that he's going to take retribution on them. And in discussing this matter with them, he said, look, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I wonder how many of us think about the providence of God as it relates to our own lives here upon this earth. Did you know that the Bible says in Daniel chapter 4 at verse 32 
that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. There are some that have the idea that there is a God, and this God created the world, but he's not involved in the affairs of mankind. That would be the position of those who are deists. Well, God is intricately involved in the affairs of man. And so also we look over in the book of Esther in chapter 4. And there we read about a man by the name of Haman who came up with a plot to destroy the Jewish people. Again, we think about the Messiah coming into the world and the providence of God. And Mordecai sent instructions to Esther for her to intervene on behalf of her family. That is, on behalf of the Jewish people. And in Esther chapter 4, the question is asked, Esther, who knows whether you are come to the kingdom for such a time as this? I think about you and I today. I apologize again. I think about you and I and how we are members of the Lord's church, but God in his kind providence can use us to be instruments of righteousness in this community and in the world in which we live. There are many people that have done great things for the cause of Christ. And I like to think about what Mordecai said to Esther, who knows whether you're come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You and I, we can do great things for the cause of Christ. And so we remind ourselves of providence. But then also, I'm reminded of the lesson of perseverance. And this really, I think, touches on the life of Job. You read the, the life of Job in his book, and you can't help but feel compassion for this man. He had ten children, seven sons, and three daughters. Job was a man that feared God. He was upright. He turned away from evil. And yet Satan appeared before the throne of God. And you and I know the story. Job lost ten children. They were killed. He lost his flocks and herds, a lot of his wealth. He lost his own health. The Bible tells us that his body was afflicted with great boils from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. His own wife encouraged him to curse God and die. And yet Job said in chapter 13, verse 15, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. In James chapter 5, there's an interesting statement made. James said, You have heard of the patience or perseverance of Job. In James chapter 1 at verse 2, James said, Count it all joy when you fall into manifold trials, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking in nothing. You and I, we can look back to Old Testament saints, men like Job, and we can be inspired because of their faith, their dedication, their loyalty to God. But in Job's case, we remind ourselves of his persevering spirit. Nothing is ever said in the book of Job about a disclosure to him as to why the events were taking place in his life that were so terrible and traumatic. But Job was a man of faith, and he persevered. Someone wrote a book, and on one of the chapters, they, they began by saying, life is difficult. Let me tell you, life is tough. 
It's not easy living the Christian life. And that's why we have to have a persevering, faithful spirit. We're in it for the long haul. As Paul said, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Well, let me just share with you one other principle, and I'm going to close. <clears throat> and this has to do with the promises of God. In Psalm 23, we have the shepherd's psalm. And David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I'm reminded of how God can satisfy every need of the longing heart. God will abundantly bless us. God does abundantly bless us in this life. But many of us, we think about crossing over into eternity. We think of death because death is a foe. And death stalks planet Earth each and every day. Just read the obituary section. And yet David said in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It was the psalmist who said, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I'm grateful for those promises. And I wish that I had a better voice, that I could... Uh, relate this lesson to you a little bit better. But there are a lot of good lessons in the Old Testament. And my encouragement to you, read and study the Old Testament. Spend a portion of each day reading and studying the Old Testament. I, I can promise you one thing. You'll grow stronger in your Christian faith, and you'll see things that will make you look at life from a different perspective. You'll be inspired to greater heights of service and faithfulness in the kingdom of God. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, I plead to you, why not come to Christ? Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly in John 10, at verse 10. What would you need to do to come to Christ? Well, the Bible says, first of all, you have to believe. You have to have faith, Hebrews 11, at verse 6. Not only do you have to have faith, but the Bible says you have to be willing to repent, to turn from a life of sin. Peter said on Pentecost Day, repent. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. When you do that, the Lord will then add you to his body, the church. And the beauty of being in the body is that Christ is the Savior of that divine body. Ephesians 5 verse 23. And then the Lord said, be faithful until death. The promise being a crown of life. Revelation 2 at verse 10. If you're here tonight, you're not faithful. Could we pray with you and for you? God will abundantly pardon our plea to you, come home, come as we stand and sing.